Hello, and welcome to CAA Conversations. I'm here today with Joelle Dietrich and Meg Mitchell. Meg is an associate professor of digital media slash foundations at University of Wisconsin-Madison, teaching courses on digital foundations, interactive art, code-based art, and digital fabrication. Joelle is a McDowell Fellow and Fulbright Scholar who makes large temporary paintings, animations, and games about global trade and human logistics. She's an Assistant Professor of Art and Digital Studies at Davidson College outside of Charlotte, North Carolina. And today, they're going to be discussing teaching new media. So, without any further ado, I'll hand the conversation over to these two. Hi, thanks, thanks Ellen, for having us. I'm excited to have this this talk with Meg. We've, we've talked before and we're just, it's great to reconnect and talk about new media. It's been a while and yeah, definitely yeah. new media is always new. So there's lots of new things to talk about. <laughs> Indeed. Yes. Somewhat, some, some, some slight element of sarcasm there about the new part. Yeah, sure. Of course. So would you two like to talk about how your approaches to teaching new media are similar and or different? Yeah, uh, sure. I, I mean, I think that my approach to teaching new media has a lot to do with a sort of strong uh, grounding in, in tool teaching. Um, but also then, of course, there's the, you know, component of introducing them to critical theory about the field and, uh, you know, artist practice. And so for me, uh, I think with new media in particular, because the tools are so or can be so demanding, I think that that is a major point of tension um, in new media pedagogy. So that's something that I'm always trying to kind of negotiate. Um, and uh, I, I actually think that my approach is pretty similar to Joelle's, uh, at least the last time that I had exposure to your to your teaching, Joelle. Yeah, yeah. And I actually check out Meg's um, syllabi quite frequently as inspiration. And um, yeah, I think we both, we fr we come from a background, we were, we were trained in like traditional techniques and also, you know, um, design principles, elements of art, whatever. Um, but we also are just hungry for like new tools and, and how to like mix things up, not just technically, but how that's, you know, um, implicated conceptually in the work. And uh, yeah, I think, I think we do approach things uh, very similarly. I actually, I, when I was at Florida State the last three years, they asked me to teach a um, class called Art and Electronic Media, which is sort of like an art history for new media. So the students would learn about using new tools, new technical tools from photography to contemporary digital tools and um, not have any sort of studio time. So by the time they heard about all these artists and the theories behind them, they were so hungry to like make work that by the time that was sort of like a feeder course for our advanced digital courses. Um, so then they, they sort of hit the ground running in the advanced digital courses. But at Davidson, um, I'm teaching that course, but also, you know, some basic like intro to digital art and advanced digital art where um, just like Meg, you use the the new media art, new media artists, and like writings and theories um, as inspiration for the students to make their own creative work. So, but the I think, yeah. I think one thing that um, probably Joelle and I can both um, speak to is also the idea that you know we we happen to be in art departments, but there's not really uh, you know as 
obviously there's a certain way of thinking about new media that's not art specific. Um, and, uh, I know that, um, you know, the, uh, program that I, uh, came into my, uh, position at UW uh, with was a digital studies initiative. Um, and so my introductory courses are open to anyone uh, across the university um, who participates in the digital studies uh, undergraduate certificate. And so that's been actually really kind of interesting and, and challenging, challenging at first um, to my teaching. Um, but now I, I really uh, appreciate that uh, aspect of the way that the intro course is structured. Um, and then our more advanced classes are more sort of major specific, you know, um, uh, art, art specific, uh, kind of contexts, but it's that having that intro course be a little bit more open, I think is actually really healthy. Yeah. And my situation at Davidson is very similar. So the bulk of my students in my intro class are non, non art majors. Um, and I love that. Those even at Florida State, that was a, those were my favorite students. You know the 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 biology and art major, you know double major or something like that. Yeah. Um, so I think I think I think Meg and I thrive in uh, university or college based situations where we we get to interact with students from other disciplines because that's how our studio practice is. Well, uh, I think it's also um, you know one thing that I've been thinking a lot about in terms of. Um, I just went through the tenure process, so I'm thinking about, uh, you know, reformulating some of my courses um, in ways that might be a little more um, interesting. <laughs> and mm-hmm. the, um, uh, you know, one of the things that I've been thinking about is this idea of, you know, the post-digital and that, um, I guess, you know, the increased ubiquity in digital tools, um, you know, how that really should frame the way that we think of new media within even a, an art curriculum, you know? Um, and so I think Joelle and I are both coming from a position where we are di- quote unquote digital people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> See my ones and zeros. Um, yeah. But, uh, you know, but we're also sort of very, you know, very much recognize the fact that, you know, any kind of contemporary art practice probably involves uh, technology on some level. And mm-hmm. so, um, you know, I, that's the thing that I've been thinking about mostly is uh, how to re-envision some of the more more traditionally based uh, foundations classes uh, as having a, maybe a, a technology component and a, possibly even not having an introduction to, to new media course, you know, that it would just be suffused, um, kind of through, uh, diffused throughout the curriculum. So Meg, would there be, uh, can you give a more specific example with that that type of course, like how it would be structured? So, so I mean, right now our foundations uh, curriculum, and that's sort of my where I put a, a good deal of my energy uh, in terms of teaching, is uh, we have 2D, uh, 3D, and digital right now. And some people call the digital 4D or time-based. At least I think that's kind of how it, what it came out of. Um, and, uh, you know, just this idea that, um, well, maybe we should take the, you know, the 2D content from the digital class and put it in the 2D class. <laughs> and, you know, and maybe we can put the 3D content from the digital class and put it in the 3D class or, you know, uh, just different ways of structuring things. Um, and then, uh, you know, so my sort of, um, if we do end up doing that, then my sort of, uh, I guess, vision for a, an intro to new media class would be more sort of code and, um, uh, 
uh, web uh, and some video probably. Mm-hmm. So, you know, really more like a time-based interactive media type situation rather than, you know, how do I make images or how do I make objects uh, yeah. with digital tools? Yeah. Yeah. Good. Yeah. I'm, I'm fortunate enough that, um, that I'm I'm in a crossover position with art, the art department, and also this department called digital studies, which is um, more of a focus on the digital and the digital humanities. And um, we have an intro to digital culture type of class, um, and um, that's right. This this coming semester is being taught by a guy named Mark Sample, who's amazing. And he's thinking about organizing the class around file types, which is kind of incredible, right? So he's thinking about, you know, I don't, I don't have it right in front of me, but, you know, just like um, MPEG and JSON and um, <clears throat> a GIF, especially the rise and fall of the animated GIF. Oh, here it is, HTML a gateway to understanding the early history and ethos of the web. I mean, I just think that's that's kind of fun. I mean, just the way that you frame these things can make it super fresh for students, you know, instead of just like sort of an introduction to 2D tools and, right. you know, yeah, that's exciting. Yeah, the um, that having a sort of component that addresses digital culture, I think is really important. And I try to roll that into my class, although yeah. there's a, we have a, I guess, you know, it's the equivalent of like a contemporary issues uh, class within in the foundation sequence, but I think it's called Introduction to Art and Artists or something. I don't you know, but it's basically like a contemporary art history and sort of survey of contemporary art practice. Um, and, and that has been taken over by a new faculty member. So it's much more, uh, it's looking at new media, I think actually for the first time. Wow. Um, so that's good. <laughs> yeah. So, Meg, how at at UW, how how much flexibility do you have within the curriculum, like to teach a, like a course, you know, focused on you know file types or something? Like, can you tweak curriculum rather rather um, quickly? Y- yeah. Yes and no. Um, I mean, I guess it it depends on what you mean by curriculum, because uh, to, to to teach a class, you can teach pretty much whatever you want, right? Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but you would offer it as a special topics class. To mm-hmm. get things passed, to, to be on the actual curriculum as like a named class, and then, you know, you would probably think of it possibly as a part of a certain degree requirements. That takes a lot more doing. And I, I basically invented my own sequence um, when I got hired there because there's only one other new media faculty, um, my colleague Stephen Hilliard, who's wonderful. And uh, he has uh, created an animation uh, sequence or uh, new media courses that were really focused on video and animation. So I uh, just invented like four courses and I think it took two years for me to get them through committee. (laughs) So yeah, it took a while. But but from semester to semester, I can do pretty much whatever I want in the classroom, you know. Can you talk about that sequence in the four courses a little bit more? Because I've looked at them online, but I don't know if the, yeah, I mean, the listeners. Well, now that I've got them on the books, I'm actually thinking about changing them around a little bit um, right, or maybe dro- dropping one of them. Um, but I kind of wanted to see just how they would work, you know, before. Um, and because it takes so long to get through the curriculum process, I thought I would go ahead and just do it. 
so we have the intro course, which is called Intro to Digital Forms. And as I said before, you know, we're trying to parcel out some of the things that are more applicable to traditional practices into areas like, uh, you know, 2D design or even, uh, you know, illustration or um, 3D design, some of those things sort of uh, giving uh, giving uh, to the graduate students who teach our foundations courses, because I think they're, you know, quite capable of doing those things. <laughs> and mm-hmm. then on the, on the end of code and other, um, I think it's a little bit at least within our program, it's a little bit difficult, more difficult to um, identify a graduate student who would be willing and able to teach that uh, at this point. And that's just sort of, I think because of our departmental focus, you know, is not known for new media. So, <laughs> so the intro course is there. And then there's a, a code and art, uh, art and code class, which is also, these are all also digital studies classes. So people from digital studies can come in and take them as well. So there's art and code, which is basically a processing class. Um, And then there's interactive uh, objects. Uh, It's called Digital Interactive Studio. And I thought that that was uh, vague enough that I could uh, repurpose it for many years. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So so right now I'm basically teaching that as a physical computing uh, installation class. Um, and then there's a digital fabrication class, uh, which is just straight up digital fabrication. Um, and so probably one of those courses, um, I'm probably not going to teach myself just because I can't cram four courses into a course rotation, you know, for one person, but we've got other people coming into the department that are interested in particularly digital fabrication, I think is the one that I might have one of our adjuncts or a technician teach. Um, I have a random question. When uh, Ellen, when I was, I was listening to the uh, positive space podcast Mm. that you did where you were talking to, I think it was someone from Micah. Was it Jenna, Jenna Fry? Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. And you were talking about um, them doing a brainstorming technique where they, they run back and forth and, (laughs) And like yell out ideas or something like that. Like I guess my question for Meg is the relationship to space and teaching digital tools. Like I mean, there's always you're you know you're oh, yeah. I'm, I'm designing a computer lab, like the first one in our visual arts building at Davidson, mm-hmm. and um, you have all these expensive pieces of quit, equipment, and students you know they'll sit down at a computer and be sort of locked into their screen. But how to get their like sort of them them moving around so ideas are flowing, um, and it's as the most productive space possible. Do you have any ideas about that, Meg? Um, Pick your brain. I do. I guess um, you know we got our first computer lab, our full kind of instructional computer lab in the in the art department um, maybe three years ago, mm-hmm. um, and so we're actually in the middle of uh, you know. Uh, requesting a refresh, (laughs) um, as you do. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, I, I kind of question the room full of computers model, but, um, you know, it does have its utility depending on, even it could have, you know, something to do specifically with like what tool you're teaching. So, um, you know, my colleague teaches Maya and I think in that type of a context, the room full of computers makes perfect sense. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, because the computers are specifically uh, spec'd out to be able to handle something like Maya. Um, 
whereas, you know, I function um, in my teaching a, a little bit more with open source software and kind of low tech um, software. Um, and so I do enjoy the kind of flexible flexibility of having laptops in the environment and also just having open work tables and some, you know, light output devices. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so, so that's sort of my, I think my ideal teaching environment would be like a, you know, basically like a hybrid space where maybe you had a half a room full of computers and then, uh, you know, open workspace for laptops and then some, some output devices. Yep. Yep. That's where yeah. I'm at too. I completely yeah. agree. Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, we're thinking about moving to a, a, a department wide laptop requirement and that's, um, I think as particularly because we're a public university, I think some people, um, have, you know, some real like pop moral and ethical problems with that, mm-hmm. um, which, you know, I can understand. Um, but, uh, yeah, that's a, that's a tough one because I, I think, you know, being a, uh, we are actually still a public institution and, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, you know, uh, the idea that students, um, you know, should have, uh, access to, you know, all instruction, uh, right. You know, without having to shell out, um, uh, a certain amount of money, I think, you know, that I do think that's a reasonable argument. And, um, so, so for me having some kind of hybrid space where, you know, students who, um, for whatever reason don't can't or don't want to buy a laptop, you know, they have some kind of option to, to work in class. Um, that's kind of important for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we were we were looking into that as well, and ITS was really pushing for it at Davidson College. Um, but but Owen Mundy, my partner who also teaches there, um, we were a little concerned about the spending so much class time, like sort of troubleshooting, like many different types of laptops. You know, I mean, I think it's really super important for you to teach students. Um, to have their own piece of machinery, to download the software, to be able to troubleshoot it, like learning to learn. I think that's huge, perhaps yeah. the most important thing I teach, right? Um, right. But I, I I, also know that it's it's hard to get all the content in. There's so much we need to teach them that I don't, sometimes I don't want to u- lose that that time to like troubleshoot a bunch of different laptops and setups and stuff. So it can that. be, yeah. I mean, it can be frustrating. I had a, a student last semester who was um, fairly, uh, in you know, not competent with her laptop, <laughs> and uh, it just, you know, uh, it really uh, took a lot of time out of class, and that was uh, frustrating. Right, right. So. And Ellen, you you teach new media as well. Was I, I'm sure you've chimed in on the other podcast, but do you have any thoughts on those? I am in, sort of in the same boat with the, I, I love the idea of having them maintain their own equipment. And the, the college that I'm leaving right now has a, a campus-wide laptop policy. And so, as you can imagine, especially when you get the non-majors in, in your class, which are indeed some of the most interesting students, um, they might come with like this little rinky-dink laptop that's great for word processing and browsing the web but literally useless on all of hands, and so that can be really problematic and a big time suck um so 
Yeah, we and we went back and forth too for budgetary reasons in terms of the admin would love to see the computer lab go because that's a huge uh, resource sure. black hole. <laughs> <You know? laughs> sure. um, but you know, we kind of waffle back and forth and. Uh, while the st- there's probably half the students prefer their own machine and they bring it religiously to every class. They'll even set it up in the computer lab and use their own machine in preference versus hop on one of the stations. But there is still that solid at least 50% who who rely on, on the machines in the lab. So it's, you know, both sides have their pluses and minuses. And it's a tough problem. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. I guess, Meg, my other question is, um, I was, again, I've been listening to the, the Positive Space Fate podcast a bit, and the um, one of them, I forget who it was, was talking about uh, uh, failing forward, <laughs> or, you know, gain students, I mean, especially with, um, with, in computer art classes, digital art classes, they come with so many preconceived notions about, you know, what, what good art is and everything, and just, just gain to mess with that do you have like a favorite like assignment or moment in your te- recent teaching past where you like really played with their expectations and yeah like- um I guess you know in, in terms of expectations I think um kind of the gravity of our department is sort of built around image making both in printmaking and painting and drawing mm-hmm. um and so I think that they that is sort of the the expectation of what art is, um, mm-hmm. uh, especially at the freshman level. Um, and, so, you know, to a certain extent, some sculpture, I think. Um, but uh, I had them do uh, animated GIFs uh, this yeah, past yeah. semester. And, um, you know, I think that they, they obviously have this kind of vernacular idea of what animated GIFs are and can do, um, you know, from their, from using it on their phones. Um, but I think, you know, getting them to engage with the animated GIF as a creative media, um, was pretty, pretty interesting. And one of the more, um, kind of exciting moments that I've had with my students recently. Yeah. Um, Good. And I, you know, I had everything from sort of, you know, glitchy stuff to some students using their own painting and drawing, uh, to, you know, create animations from that. And that was really nice. So. Mm -hmm. Yeah, sweet. What about on, what about in your studio practice? We haven't really talked about what we do and how we bring it into <laughs> the classroom, like things happening in the studio. Oh, yeah. My studio um, is, uh, you know, a little bit of everything. I guess right right now I've been doing a lot of letterpress printing, but uh, you know that all starts on the computer and then gets put out to polymer. So. Um, and then there's also like a fair amount of object design and uh, programming microcontrollers for audio and audio composition. Um, so that's kind of where my, my work has actually been somewhat less technical than uh, it has been in the past. And plants? Yeah, plants. Like green things growing, maybe? I don't know. Yeah. So I guess one of the things that I try to get them to think about, it, uh, particularly because, um, you know, the department that they're in has so many disciplines that are really based around some sort of traditional craft that, you know, the digital is not necessarily existing in opposition with those other things, you know, that it can coexist. Mm -hmm. Um, And 
also trying to get them, I guess, to think about art in a more experiential way mm -hmm. um, rather than as a discrete object. Good. How about you, Joelle? What are you up to? You know, Owen and I are dabbling in gaming right now, which is just insane to me because I'm not a gamer. So I, met, I mentioned this art and electronic media class that I teach. And so it would be this, you know, this history of um, art production with technical tools. You know, we don't go as far back as Gutenberg, but we start with photography, like I mentioned. And then a gaming would come up and the students were just, there was such an intense energy in the room, right? Like 30 students in stadium seating in this, in this one room at Florida State. Um, and uh, I just felt like, I mean, obviously it's a growing field. It, you know, I'm just curious about it. And also to watch, I have a six-year-old, so to see her and how her brain is, like how she interacts with these games and how it, there's good good to bad games. So um, I was curious about it. And Owen and I have been um, learning Unity. We're going to the U Unity Unite conference in Amsterdam um, next week. And uh, yeah, it's fun, but like a steep learning curve. Holy moly. <laughs> So yeah, I'm learning Unity too this summer. Yeah. That's my summer project. <laughs> yeah, awesome, good. So we have to talk yeah. about that on the side. Yeah, um, but it's exciting. Um, it's just a different way of thinking. I love it. So yeah, well, the, it's good. The gaming thing is super fun. Super fun. And I, I guess, um, I taught a graduate seminar on games maybe two or three years ago, and yeah. um, it was really just a way of teaching, uh, you know, conceptual art. <laughs> but, yeah. Um, yeah. Like a sneaky way of teaching conceptual art. Yeah. But, um, the, you know, I had a good cohort of students and um, it was, um, you know, again, like uh, thinking of how they can take, uh, you know, something out of a kind of um, conventional gallery context, you know, and think of it in a more experiential way. Right. Mm -hmm. um, and you can do that with just about any media, really. Um, I, when you talk about gaming, I think people are so focused on video games. Um, mm -hmm. But there's, you know, a whole other world of, uh, like, actual games, you know. Mm -hmm. I want to ask you both, and if you don't have an answer ready, that's okay. But I've been asking everybody about a, a favorite assignment that they give, something concrete that others, our listeners could possibly borrow or adapt. Uh, does anything pop to mind related to teaching new media? Meg, you want? <laughs> um, so one of my one of my favorite assignments, um, and uh, it comes up in my evaluations as one of the students' favorite assignments too, is uh, like a, I think I call it history context, but it's basically it's a very simple assignment. It's uh, take a take a historical image and, you know, reinterpret it in some way, you know, by manipulating it with, uh, you know, a performance of yourself. Uh, so literally in, inject yourself into this image. Um, and one of the reasons I, I like that assignment a lot is because it's a um, real opportunity to have a kind of critical dialogue about uh, certain issues that a lot of my students uh, probably haven't been exposed to, um, just coming from, you know, uh, certain regions of the country or, you know, um, uh, upper Wisconsin, 
Um, and so, uh, you know, it's a, it, it is really, uh, kind of a platform to talk about identity and, um, uh, stuff like that. Um, and really just like any issue you could possibly think of. Um, so it's always a pretty productive critique. Um, and I think the students, uh, are sometimes, uh, don't think of, uh, technology as something that can enable you to go backwards <laughs> in time. They only think about going, you know, forwards in time. So it's, it's just a fun kind of reversal. Yeah, that sounds great. I, um, one of my favorites is, um, I've, I've been teaching it for a long time off and on, but I keep readapting it and it's, I love using, uh, fiction as inspiration. So, I use the book um, Invisible Cities by Italo Calvino as a prompt. And I love that book because, it, you know, each of the cities is described in like one to four pages. And um, so the students pick a chapter, like a city that captures their imagination. And then um, we divide the city wherever I'm teaching Um into sections and the students have to sort of mash up. They have to go out into that part of the city and explore it and then um, sort of mash it up with Italo Calvino mm -hmm. and then use that for inspiration for it, like a flash animation. Um, so I, yeah, I've, I've taught that quite a few times and I, it comes from sort of my interest in community-based artwork and, um, but just getting the students away from their computers. It's like so many times they're, they're just, you know, I taught a video assignment last semester and so much of it was like shot on campus. I was like, really? You, you know, <laughs> I understand you're in college and this is your world right now, but I'm like, Charlotte is right next door. And so I think it's, right. I think it's really important to like put in some sort of structure, you know, for them to go out into the city, but not just go out into the city and maybe see things they've seen before, but to reimagine that space and then bring that back to the computer. So that's a favorite one of mine. That's a good strategy. Yeah, thanks. Awesome. Did you have any other thoughts or anything else you'd like to share with the listeners? Um, you know, I'm just, I'm, I'm creating this computer lab and ordering a lot of equipment. So I guess I'm just curious if, if Meg has any sort of like tool, like guru, thoughts like if there's any, like piece of machinery that you've been coveting or uh, which I'm sure everyone would love to know that sort of information and Meg's really great for that she's always been super um, savvy about those things that's very flattering thank you um the, uh I mean the you know the funny thing is I've actually been going kind of lower more uh low low bar with my uh technology choices um and so I've been existing pretty much completely with uh, printer bots mm -hmm. lately. And I, they're so fantastic. Uh, you know, I remember a few years ago, you know, pulling my hair out over an Ultimaker and I tried, you know, three or four different kinds of the sort of consumer level uh, 3d printers. Uh, and uh, so the printer bots are great because you can buy a fleet of them. Um, and I had one that, sailed off, it vibrated itself off the countertop not once not twice but three times and it still works <laughs> there you go now that's a piece of machinery yeah <laughs> yeah it's good so, so yeah i would recommend the printer bot simple and the xl un unreservedly um and then you know um 
We have, uh, um, I'm looking into the X-Carve. We're actually taking one out of the box next week. Um, so I'm moving towards these kind of lower cost tools because I think that the um, thing that I'm trying to emphasize more uh, with tools is access and portability. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, I mean, and it also pertains to software, right? Like, so um, I've been working in Blender this summer trying to prepare, you know, like make assets for the Unity, um, the game and Unity. And um, I was getting a little frustrated and a friend was like, no, you should use Cinema 4D. And then I, I just, I can't get behind teaching students <laughs> software that's so expensive, mm -hmm. you know? Like I, I think Meg and I both are big open source software type of people, hence the fact that we both teach processing, but um yeah. yeah, so that's a that's a whole nother discussion, I think. Yeah. It is a whole other discussion, but I think it's yeah. super important. And um, yeah, I I do actually teach a little bit of Adobe in my intro class, uh, mostly just based on kind of conversations with my colleagues. I feel like I really have to mm -hmm. um, uh, to kind of keep in harmony. <laughs> but sure. but um, you know, I think. Uh, there are so, so many open source tools that, uh, you know, really the end result is the same. And that's, mm -hmm. um, you know, I will tell the students that, you know, I used open source tools for years until I got a full-time teaching job and the university could buy me Adobe. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, that's right. You know, and, and nobody ever noticed. <laughs> totally. That's very true. I guess, I guess my other question um, for Meg, do we still have time? Oh, go Ellen? for it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So um, the women in new media art question. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, so um, like I'm planning a panel with um, a couple folks for the CAA in LA um, in February about women, new media art. And I just, it's something that comes up like we, you know, ours electronica just had the controversy where there were the percentage of women new media art is so small they're winning the big prizes so it's something I like like I want to teach like run a girls you know girls can code type of workshop for younger uh, girls in Davidson sometime soon and I don't know Meg do you have a I'm guessing you have lots to say on that front as well true not true <laughs> <laughs> yes. I'm like, yes. Um, Again, another discussion. Thank yeah, you. I mean, it's tough. I think um, in terms of my own, my classes, you know, it's mostly, uh, the students are mostly women. And I think that that's pretty strongly established based on, you know, the kind of statistical information that I've collected over the last, the years. Of course, I, I survey the students so that I can run analytics on them. <laughs> 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 that kind of nerd. And so uh, the, you know, it's just at this uh, professional level that I think that it becomes really uh, potentially difficult. And uh, I guess one of the things that I found really striking was that I don't think my students have any idea what they're in for. Mm. Um, and I was talking to them once about feminism and one of them exclaimed loudly, we don't need feminism. We know we're awesome. Hmm. Mm. Thought, hmm. Okay. 
all right. <laughs> I did not know what to say. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, I think it's, uh, there's definitely, um, uh, you know, a different, maybe a different set of expectations, you know, that are coming out of newer, uh, you know, a younger generation, which is probably really good. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, I, you know. Mm-hmm. It's good, but misled, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I, I have the same thing in that history, art history class I teach. I will say how many of you are feminists and I might get, you know, 20% that raise their hands, which is disturbing. And, but then we talk a lot, we read articles about how the number of women um, in IT positions, like, or the number of women graduating with degrees in computer science has gone down since the 80s, um, which yeah. is kind of crazy. Um, so yeah, I think, I think you know, as long as we're having those discussions, and I teach a class, I will teach a class at Davidson called Gender, Gender and Technology, so um, these I'll things have, are on my mind. Yeah, I'll have to so. for your uh, materials. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I'll, Happy to share. I was just going to say, I mean, I think it's important, though, to, especially when I'm dealing with my graduate students, I think that's actually the place where I really talk about it the most. And some of my, some of my graduate students um, have had, uh, I mean, you know, graduate Graduate students have difficulties with a variety of things in the course of their, you know, going to graduate school. It's a difficult time, um, but I feel like it is really important to not not be discouraging um, in the sense that I think that um, you know, at that age or at that stage in your career, if you encounter a difficulty, I think it can be really devastating um, in the sense that it could just make you quit. <laughs> mm. And so I guess if there's one thing that, you know, I would feel to, you know, uh, a graduate student or, um, you know, anybody working in any, you know, uh, sector of the new media world, um, is just not, not to quit and to keep being present. Mm-hmm. And find your people. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you both so much for this wonderful discussion. I think lots of people are going to find little bits and pieces that are valuable and applicable to their own practices. So thank you. Yeah, it was fun. It was fun. Thanks, Ellen.